Welcome to a special edition of the Truth of the Matters podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and I'm here with our special guest. But before we introduce and welcome them in appropriately, let's begin by recognizing and appreciating all of our new and consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. Now, if this is your first time listening, we want you to know that the Truth of the Matter is podcast is all about providing an honest, contextual, historized, philosophical, and psychological view of the Bible through the use of hermeneutics while sharing some personal experiences from myself and Daniel. We will believe in applying God's word to everyday life. Today, we will praise God for another new testimony that we will hear. We hope that after hearing this man of God and his journey, that you will be encouraged and uplifted. We also hope that you will see how an encounter with Jesus Christ will guarantee that your life will never be the same. Now, without further ado, let's invite our special guest in, Alex Sanfilippo. How are you doing today? Jonathan, I'm doing great, and great job on my last name, by the way. It's really rare that anyone even gets it close to right, but you had it exact spot on. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I do the whole syllable thing, break it down, you know, what we learn. Yeah, good job. Young to try to, you know, kind of get that corrected. All right, thank you so much for joining. So, without further ado, we're going to name some of Alex Sanfilippo's achievements. We believe that they're worth mentioning. So, Alex started his first business at the age of 10. He began selling used golf balls. In his neighborhood and realized he enjoyed generating sales and keeping track of profit margins. In his late teens, he launched he launched a technology company that created virtual tours. He fell in love with real estate and decided to invest as soon as he turned 18. Unfortunately, it was short-lived due to the recession in 2007 and 2009, where Alex lost a lot of money. However, that did not keep him down. Instead, he made an adjustment. He pivoted to industries that was thriving during recession. Aerospace Company, which we will touch a little bit more later in that experience. But Alex Sanpolifo will build a global ranked Christian multi-author, multi-author blog with more than 130 writers producing content. With this blog, he hosted a podcast called Good Christian Podcast, which became one of the largest Christian podcasts. Alex is an entrepreneur who is a CEO and founder of Podmatch, which is actually how we met and one of the platforms that I got on not too long ago podcast sop pod pros is a software company focused on specifically on podcasting industry and in january 25 2022 launched a new revised podcast course called podcasting may simple which focuses on helping podcast guests myself podcast hosts also myself elevating their podcast game and as a lead educator so after hearing all this we can concur that alex is 100 percent all in when it comes to podcasting. Did I miss anything, Alex? No, that's it. You know, it's funny. You're, you're right. I, I ended up being all podcasting. I mean, I had a long journey to get there, but now that's, people are like, what else do you do? I'm like, nothing. I just podcast. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. So based on everything that I just read about Alex, it's pretty sure that we can all agree that he's been a successful man of God. And today we want to talk to him about his faith and how it played a role in his journey. We want to hear about his testimony. But before we do that, first and foremost, we like to open up with a word of prayer. So anyone listening, bow your heads, close your eyes. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you said where there are two or three are gathered in your name, meeting together as your followers, you are among them. So we invite you into our conversation. We thank you for this opportunity that you have given me and Alex to fellowship with one another, even though we don't 
know each other personally, we have one thing in common, and that is we have a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, and that makes us a part of one body, and that's the body of believers in Christ. The truth of the matter is, podcast appreciates the time he has set aside to provide us with his personal testimony. I pray that having this conversation with Alex will open the doors to all hearts and minds, saved or unsaved. And I pray that those who are creators will want to be inspired and want to glorify our Father in heaven with their gifts, talents, and abilities. If it's one or it's a thousand, I pray that what is said today will encourage them over their life. Lord, open up all eyes to see, all ears to all eyes they see, all ears to hear, all hearts to receive, and all minds to understand. Let all who are listening be blessed and leave with a different perspective on life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Alex, for us to get started, what would you tell our audience something that I haven't mentioned about you that's a little bit more on a personal spectrum that you're open to sharing? It could be anything. Yeah, uh, something you didn't share is, is something I got into in my mid, maybe even late 20s. I got into playing soccer, which is something that I never did. I didn't grow up playing it, which gave me a huge disadvantage. So I'm not like a great player, but I really enjoy it. And I got into a um, into a league that's a refugee league here in Jacksonville, Florida, where I live, which is a it's one of the it's one of the largest refugee hubs in the United States. It's the most diverse out of all of them, though. So we have a, like people from all around the world. And I, I grew up in very diverse neighborhoods. So I just love being able to continue living that out through the game of soccer. And it's all, it's actually a, a Christian ministry. It's called All Nation Soccer League. It's about bringing people together through the game of soccer and sharing Jesus. And so I play in that league with, and there's 109 different countries represented. And that's just been an absolute blast. I, I don't get to talk about it much, but it's something I really enjoy doing. It's my, my biggest hobby, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And San Filippo, if you don't mind me asking, culturally, where are you from? Uh, Italy, uh, Sicily Italy, specifically. Yeah. yeah. And my, my parent, my parents came over when they were, or sorry, my, I guess my parents were born in New York, but my grandparents came over, uh, from, from Sicily to New York. And, uh, I don't know any Italian, unfortunately I did go visit, but that's it. <laughs> what would you say within that culture is one of the favorite foods that you'd like to eat that you enjoy today? Oh man, there's so many. Um, I'd say, right. I don't know what it is, but the family recipe of spaghetti and meatballs is like the most amazing thing ever it's what i imagine all the food's gonna taste like in heaven so and uh but i I love that and that's like one of my favorite things i can't i'm ruined though i can't go to a restaurant and get spaghetti and meatballs and anytime i fall for them like oh this sounds good i get them like completely disappointed unfortunately but uh that's what i really enjoy okay so tell us a little bit about your faith walk or how it got started yeah so i i grew up in a christian home which helped but also uh sometimes does a disservice and i don't know if you've had that experience jonathan but i'm sure people have been on the show i've listened to some of your your episodes i'm sure some people kind of can resonate with this when you're brought up in a christian home you kind of just lean on your parents faith instead of developing your own relationship with god and that's exactly how i would describe my walk with god so when i was a kid i I mean i i was just talking to one of my friends about this i I went to i just added up i was at church five times every week Uh, that's a lot right (laughs) i was always at church and i was never the kid who was like rebellious or anything like that but as soon as i got out of like into high school in those later years again i didn't turn into a bad kid i was just if i had a relationship with god it was what god calls his least favorite which would be lukewarm because i I was like one foot in one foot out didn't really care thought i was a good person but didn't didn't really attribute that to god it was just me being a good person and so growing up although my mom especially desired hey this is this is gonna be a man that walks with god 
the disservice was I was just leaning more on their relationship and not developing my own, which happened later on. But uh, again, that was it was kind of me like grew up in church, know the Bible really well, like Bible trivia. I'm good to go. Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that's kind of like my upbringing with it. And then uh, later on, like for real found Christ, which I'm sure we'll get into that story today. But that was kind of the the early stages of it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can empathize with that story as well. That's sort of what's part of my testimony as well. Sort of like I grew up, you know, my father, you know, knew God's word. He was also a preacher. And for some strange reason for me, it my development and getting to know Christ individually came later. But everything that your values, who you are, what's instilled in you is, is part of who you are. And it's, 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 you know, mostly plays a role in the way that you communicate with others, you know, the basic things, right? passes in Corinthians where it says, you know, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. A lot of that was sort of part of my, you know, making going into college and, you know, staying away from crowds and the relationships that I established and I built was all it's trying to, you know, be the best person that I can be, but it was limited in a scriptural or biblical perspective. So I agree with that. So I would say uh, any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got three younger brothers. Okay. You have great core with them? Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, oh, okay. we're uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're all very close, and we probably all have very similar stories as well, if you will. Of like, and I'll, I'll be real, some of them got a little wilder than I did through high school. So I was a pretty, always a pretty even, even keel guy. Uh, a couple of them, two of them in particular, they they kind of went a little more wild, but made their way back as well. But yeah, they've uh, they've always I consider them to be some of my closest friends, not just my brothers. And so I, I really love the friendship that I have with those guys. We got that in common. I got three brothers as well. I'm the second oldest. Where, where are you? Are you middle child? The, earth, the oldest? I'm actually the oldest. Yeah. Oldest. Oh, you're all the oldest. So You know, it's funny though, yeah. John, I, got, I don't know where you fall in line as far as size is concerned. I like, we did a family picture over Christmas uh, with, with just me and my brothers and I'm the smallest one. I don't know what happened. I'm like, they're like way more jacked than I am and taller and just bigger. I'm like, what, what happened to me? Like when did I become the runt <laughs> of the family? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the genetics, right? I mean, so, right. I mean, were you lifting any of that sort of thing or none of that really? When you was a kid, what were you focused on? What were your, some of your dreams and aspirations, would you say? Yeah, when, when I was a kid, you know, you, you talked about the golf ball story, which always gets people to, to laugh or be like, what does that mean? Well, when I was 10 years old, I had a lot of self-awareness, a lot more than I'd say most 10-year-olds do. So it made me a little bit weird. But uh, and I wasn't ever depressed about this or feel feel inadequate but I did know and had the awareness that I wasn't good at sports like a lot of kids were and I also wasn't good at school like I really worked hard but struggled through it and I also wasn't good at video games and all three of my younger brothers were musicians and I had no musical talent and it was like one of these weird things where I'm like man if, if you're not good at sports or video games that you're like there's a problem here right and so I just kind of realized I'm like man I, I just haven't found my thing yet and again it didn't cause any trauma or anything like that but the first time I found a golf ball because there was a golf course across the street from our neighborhood and all the kids would go play on the golf course because our parents said don't do it and for whatever reason we all ran out there um but one day i found a, a golf ball picked it up and some golfer rides by on his in his cart and goes hey kid what, what does that golf ball say on it i was like titleist pro v1 and he goes i'll give you three dollars for it and i gave him the ball and he gave me three dollars and a light bulb went off and at that point, I just told the guys I was with, two of them being my brothers and another neighborhood friend, I'm like, let's go in the lakes and find golf balls and sell them Saturday morning and see what happens. And so we just started this whole thing organically, right? But for the first time, the reason I'm sharing this is because for that first time, I felt like I found what I was actually good at. And oddly enough, it was this, I, didn't, I couldn't put a name to it, but it was entrepreneurship. It was this idea of business. And I kind of just carried that 
through the rest of my life. But that was kind of like the first time I realized as a kid, like, hey, here's where I fit in. And I, I think that really answers the question you're looking for there. It's like, when did I, when did something spark? And that was really the first time for me. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I can see that, right? You're trying to figure out what your niche is, what it is that gets you going, what it is that you're motivated to try to do. What can you point to as something that is your thing separate from everything else? And that's sort of the same thing here. I was a football player. My youngest brother, he, you know, kind of followed suit. But my other two brothers, I think one was into ballet and the other one, I think later on he did some 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 sort of thing with boxing. But, you know, it's interesting when you look at all your brothers and some of them are the same. When you look at brothership all around the world and then some of them, it's like, you know, everyone about everything about all of you are different. Right. <laughs> right. So you, you kind of figure it out. And it's interesting because I guess that puts a, a heavy burden on our parents, especially if there's different events or programming and they're driving you to school. And it's like, OK, you your, your piano lessons. You know, your, your football or, or track or, or soccer and you you're doing something with musicians. We got to get you an instrument. So it's, it's I would say that's usually how it is. Right. It's, it's a hard burden. Would you say that at all with uh, any kids that you have that it's, it's, you know, interesting when you as a father, you look at and you see what it is that you have to do as a father and encourage and motivate them in whatever they're trying to pursue at a young age? You know, so full disclosure, I'm not a parent. Uh, my oh. uh my wife and I are actively preventing that, for lack of a better term, right now. We are not ready for kids. We say our business, our software is our baby for now. With that said, though, my, my brothers, two of the three have kids, and we have a lot of really close friends that we just, we're known as the aunt and uncle right now. And we really, we're very happy with this phase of life. We feel it's what God has called us to at this moment. And I'll tell you what, like, the way I was brought up, my, my parents were like, let's try music, let's try sports, let's try art, let's try, like, all these things. And like you were saying, with, like, people being different, like doing different things. Like right now, as it stands, I'm a software founder. My next brother in line, in line, he's a fine wine distributor. So he sells wine to expensive restaurants. He's like a big connoisseur. Doesn't really drink it, but sells it. Um, next in line is like a really well-known photographer. And then the last one, he loves being a dad. And so he works just a, a, a very stable job that he does really well at, but has like, he's like, no, I don't want to own a business or anything like that. I just, I really like doing this and, and being a dad. And so we're all like, we all are all completely different. I'm seeing my friends' kids and the kids that I'm having some say in the way they're growing up just by being an influence in their lives. And same thing, everyone's like kind of just trying all these things to see what sticks. And I think, especially when kids are young, I think that's a good thing. Like, like we're created beings, right? Like God created us. I believe that he created us to create. Like we're, we're made in his image. Our job is to create and finding that craft that we can be creative in for like you and me, it's podcasting. And for some of these other people, it may be sports. It may be something that's more artistic. It may be just raising a godly family, right? Like there's all these different options and stuff. I think it's important to explore it. And I think it's extremely healthy to kind of let kids do their thing. What I don't like, and I, I don't see this very often, at least in my circle, is the parents that say, you are going to do this because I wanted to do that. And you need to just stick through it all the way through. I find it creates a lot of resentment. And you don't know what God created that kid to do. Maybe they're not supposed to follow in your footsteps exactly. Maybe there's a different path in mind. And so I see a little bit, of, again, not directly my circle, but I know a few people that have been that way. And those are the kids that I look at, even at a young age, 10, 12 years old, that I'm looking at them and I'm concerned for their future because I can tell that they're being driven in a direction that just isn't what God created them to do, but they're being forced into it. Anyway, I'm not a parent, yeah. so I can only share so much on that, but that is just what I've seen ar around me in my life and my circle. Yeah, me neither. It's just, you know, wishful thinking in that area that that's 
if I was one, you know, that's what would become priority for me. Make sure that they have as much opportunities as possible for them to find out what it is that they're passionate about and let them chase after. And hopefully, you know, it'll be something beautiful or something, even if, if it's a hobby, something that they want to do later on. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, how did your relationship with God take off? Like, what was the, what was the, the, the Kickstarter and your seriousness or was it? Yeah, t- talk a little bit about that. How did I get started for you? Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned, so I grew up like quote unquote Christian, like as a kid. Right. And I had really great parents that let me explore the things I was good at. And that's how I started businesses when I was a kid, right? even through high school. Right. And started investing. I needed to co-sign at 18 years old, even though I had money at that point. I still had to get my dad to co-sign. So I had like all these things going for me. They always let me kind of explore these things. Well, as soon as I really got out, meaning out of the house, like I moved into what was one of my investment properties, I just realized that I was missing something. And I'll share the story of what made me realize that I had a problem. And so when I went through high school, again, I was doing really well, like financially, I, I was doing well relationally, I had a nice little sports car, like all the things that on paper you should have. And I don't forget it. I think I was, this is probably when I was 18 years old. I saw a magazine, it was Forbes and it, I believe it was Forbes 30 under 30 is what I think it was. And I just remember looking at that saying, I'm going to be on that list. And at that point in my life, I had a full shift of like, this is my priority, business, business, business. I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to do well. And like I said, at this point, I had, I had the company. I had the investment property now at 18. Uh, I, had, I had a real fancy girlfriend, real fancy car, right? Like all those things. And it, you, you mentioned it, like 2007, 8, 9 happened with this crash. And I was starting to do all this right before then. So I went from crushing it, being super ambitious, being super self-centered and honestly conceited in many ways, prideful, right? To now I went from being a really wealthy person, like potentially, right? Like heading towards wealth, being a Forbes 30 under 30 to being the most in debt 18 year old I ever met in my life. Like in an instant, it happened almost overnight and things disappear. I got rid of the car. The girl turns out was really interested in certain things, not necessarily that I didn't have anymore, right? Like that were gone. And so like lost a relationship that, thank God. Um, but then also a lot of the people I was hanging out with, when they saw bad times, they're like, ooh, don't want to be involved in that and kind of backed off, right? And so I found myself alone in my early 20s at this point. And I, I had to take a humble job at that point. You talked about the aerospace job. That started off as me being a part-time receiving clerk, which is translation for I take out people's trash and break down boxes, right? Like it's, it's a humble beginning. It's okay. But like at that point, I'd been like fully broken. And it reminds me of what the Bible says that pride comes before the fall. Well, I had that fall. Let's put it that way. And I'll never forget it. What brought me to, to go back to your question, what brought me to Jesus was one day I had to move into one of my rental properties because I, I was upside down in everything. So I was living in one of them. And I, I got a flyer in the mail because we used to actually get physical stuff in the mail that mattered, right? I picked it up. I was like walking back home. I was looking at this flyer. And it was an invitation to a, a, a young adult college and career like study. And I looked at the address. I'm like, oh, I could pr- like walk there. That's like right around the corner from here. I was like, maybe I, mean, I haven't been in church since I was growing up. Like when I got in high school, I, started, I stopped going to church uh, when I started going after the business, right? I was like, maybe I'll go. It's been a while. And I remember for three weeks in a row, I didn't go, even though I told myself I was going to. And I wasn't usually the type of guy who was like, ah, nah, never mind. Like I wasn't a flaky person. But I realized I was really nervous. And the reason was I lost everything that was my identity at that point. My money, the relationship, the friendships, the car, right? Like all those things were gone. And I was like, I'm going to walk in here and these people are going to make fun of me. Like I have nothing to show for, like just nothing. And finally, I just 
got the courage. And I honestly, I think it was God threw me, like calling me back to him. I walked in there and for the first time in a long time, I felt the presence of God. It was a worship service and everyone I talked to was so kind. And I kept on waiting, like, wait till they figure out how much of a failure I am. Like, wait till they figure it out. And I started telling what I do. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, is that company fun? Like, you're, you're breaking down their boxes, doing this, you're a receiving clerk. That's really fun. Like, can you tell me about it? And I was like, wait a minute, these people actually don't care. And again, for the first time, I, I grew up hanging out with neighborhood friends, right? Like, that's who I hung out with. And they weren't necessarily all saved or anything like that. This was the first time I met real Christian friendships, people that are truly following Jesus, who said, I love you, Alex, because of who you are, not what you do. And I learned a lot in that, in that time. So I made these friendships and I felt the presence of God being there. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in, all in on this. I think this is where my identity is supposed to be, not in the material things. And so there I was, early 20s. I, it's all a little hazy now. I'm 35 when we're recording this. So um, it's a little hazy as to the age I was. But early 20s is when that just took off for me. I'll tell you what, I never looked back ever since then. And that's when I really developed a true relationship with God. And I thank God for my parents. It set such a good foundation of me growing up because when I stepped into the faith, I didn't become like a pillar overnight, but mm -hmm. I knew the 101 stuff. Let's put it that way, right? So I was able to jump in and really start, I feel really serving God in a great way really fast. And at the end of the day, it is about our heart, right? Not necessarily what we do, but I, I had the heart and had the know-how. And I think, I think it just made for a really great relationship with God that just took off like in an instant. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful story because you, you're talking about being humble, right? We know that God opposes the proud but shows favor and, and humbleness to, to the press. And, you know, listening to your story and hearing the ins and outs and going through that experience where you're having to do things. I have a similar story with that, too. For about 10 years, I did food delivery service. Now, you know, I reap the benefits of making good money. And at one point in my life, I said, you know, what, you know what I want to do? I want to write a book about, you know, the ins and outs of food delivery in Manhattan. And in Brooklyn and all these boroughs and, you know, kind of talk about the ups and downs of it and, you know, what to expect and the low tips at, at some points. And and you, you sort of realize that when you go through that, like God is rebuilding your character. He's changing some of the ways you view the world. And he's, he's putting you in a place where you once you get to another place where he wants to take you, your character is developed. Right. You know, I always realize that, you know, we live our lives on levels and we arrive in stages. And sometimes those stages that you're going through are in a place where God's trying to put you in a, in a better place, at least characterize. Right. Because what happens is when you're successful and everything is going well, you tend to realize that in an instance, because you're not prepared and you're not in a place where God can reach you, everything comes crashing down. Right. Your foundation is weak. You know. The things that keep you above sea level is no longer there anymore, and you gotta ha you kind of have to rebuild again. So I, I want you to talk a little bit more about, you know, emotionally or psychologically having to do that job. Did you feel like you were less than? Did you feel that you know people looked down on you because of what they were actually to do, at least work wise, with the boxes and the trash? Like, talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. So definitely when I first got into it, well, real quick disclaimer, nobody looked at yeah. me negatively. You know that. Oh, yeah, I know yeah. that. Everyone listening is smart enough to know. No one was actually looking at me in any negative way because honestly, going back, that was a good job. Yeah. Uh, but for me, humbling myself doing that was like, oh, man. And the thing about it was it was a job that my dad got me. He was, he was an aerospace guy. And I was like, hey, dad, like real estate just crashed. I lost everything. How's your industry doing? He's like, oh, it's, it's booming. We're good. I was like, can you get me a job somewhere? He's like, I can get you an interview somewhere. 
So I was like, all right. So he got me the interview. So it was like, I got here because of my dad and this is what I got, right? Like, so for me, yeah, it, at first it was like one of those things that was like definitely a humbling experience. And psychologically, I was like, man, this, this is tough. But that was right around the time, like I said, when I, when I got right in my relationship with God. And I just thought back to, to, to Joseph, like the, the upsets he kept on having, right? Like he was, he was somebody who was in, in jail, working in jail, right? Like having to work his way up. And I was like, man, maybe that's kind of my story right now. And so it, it was short lived. Like I didn't stay that low for a long time. I immediately surrendered that to God and started working like I was working for God. So I was like, man, if this is the job God has for me right now, like here I am, right? There was no way to predict what was going to happen in the real estate market or no way for most of us, especially an 18 or 19 year old, right? But for, for, so for me, I was like, this is just, this is where things are. So I'm going to do my best for God doing this job like I'm doing it for him. And I, I always remember, I, I don't know if I wrote it down in a notepad back then. There wasn't really smartphones yet. So I think I had a notepad I'd walk around with. It just said, do what you do for God. And I reminded myself, this job is him. So I'm going to make sure that I am worshiping through my work. So I just remember like, I made sure I did a good job breaking down boxes. I made sure I wasn't leaving trash behind. If something wasn't like in the right order, I clean it up. And then I, I started getting smart though. I'll put it that way, Jonathan. Like what I meant by that is there was boxes in multiple stations around the company. I said, Hey, let's consolidate that. Let's do them all here. And once a day, I'll break them down for everybody. And at the same time I was saying, Hey, this trash can is always full. Here's a bigger trash can. This trash can is never used. Here's a smaller trash can right? Doing those little things. Funny, that type of thing gets you noticed because you're, it's, think, it's showing that you're thinking in a constructive way. And I immediately went from being this part-time guy to full-time. I end up staying at that company for 15 years and working up, but it all shifted when I found my identity in Christ instead of what I was doing. So it was short-lived, but I remember when I had that shift, it really just, again, going back to my childhood, it helped me take off because I found once again, oh, entrepreneurship, oh, business. This is what God has has gifted me with. And when I step back into that, I started excelling once again. Yeah, the quality of your thinking can determine the quality of your life. And you given that opportunity, you made sure that you execute as much as possible and you squeeze out whatever you could out of that at lemon and it puts you in a better place. So I want to speak a little bit about once you got into reading God's word, what were some of the passages or books or scriptures that, you know, helped you? Along your along your path of getting closer to closer to God, because we know in James he says, you know, if you draw closer to Him, He would draw closer to you. What were some of the things that kind of helped you there? At that point in my life, I, I read a lot of Psalms and Proverbs specifically. I, I will say I decided to like go through the whole Bible, which a lot of us do, right? I remember at that point I was like, I'm open this book back up and going through it, but I kept on going back to Psalms and Proverbs, and I don't even have specific verses that really stood out. It was just like every day I'd read something different and it was like, man, that's what I needed today. Right? Like I just needed to hear that. And for whatever reason, where I was at my life feeling like, again, I, w I was really in debt. So like I, I got my mindset right. But at this point, like <laughs> my early twenties, I was like, man, I owe a lot of money, right? Like yeah. I'm upside down on all of it. And although that didn't consume my mind, I felt like I was somebody who like David, when he wrote a lot of the Psalms and a lot of the Proverbs were written with times of war. I felt like personally, mentally, spiritually, I was in that time of war. And that was just extremely comforting and reminded me that, hey, I'm in this, some of it's spiritual warfare. And my job is to be the best son I can be for God, to be that light for somebody else who's maybe struggling with the same thing. And for whatever reason, at that point in my life, especially those two books of the Bible were really just instrumental. They were key in, again, really understanding that. And then, of course, 
reading through Jesus's life. Like I, I try to do that repeatedly, just remembering Jesus, the person, right? Not just the God, but Jesus, the person, the way he showed up for us, man, more humbling stuff right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I want to speak to, cause this is, you know, something I think a lot of people are afraid of and stay away from. And as a, a graduate myself, three majors, right. People are really afraid about debt. Right. So I know you were in that predicament. I don't. I don't want you to say too much. At least to how you got out of it. But mentally, when you're in a place like that, since you were at that point, right? What are your thoughts in terms of your dreams and aspirations and taking risks? Like, how do you? How did you get to a point of doing podcasting and 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 whatnot? Like, how did that? Like, what was the mindset that you were in in that state when you were trying to figure out what were your next steps in life? Yeah. And so I'm a systems guy through and through. I'm organized. Strategy is like one of my things. So I just remember like when I got my stuff together. So probably mid 20s at this point, actually, at that point, I gotten married and that really helped a lot. Like I went from like kind of a dumb kid still like in my early 20s to like being in my mid 20s. I'm like, I'm actually pretty smart now. I got this wife and uh, she was a lot smarter than I than I am still to this day. Um, so she just God used her to help me a lot. She's been a huge, um, huge blessing in my life in every way. And I'm very thankful for it. But at that point, we just, she came from a different financial background. She was doing very well. Let's put it that way. So um, that balanced some of it out. But at the same time, we just came up with a plan together of being completely debt-free. And our goal was that by 30, we would do that. And so she's, she's two years older than me. So I would, when I was 28, she was 30. We, we hit that goal of just working our way through it. And again, I was at that aerospace job that whole time. She owned and sold a business during that time, which helped out a lot. Um, but going through that process was just a little bit every day, right? Like, Hey, let's have some good, let's have some self-discipline, right? When it comes to spending money, to saving money, to figuring out what's not crazy. Like we're not like, Oh, we can't go, we can't turn on the lights today. Right? Like, cause we got to save that couple dollars. No, we weren't like that, but we just found what worked and we're again, able to get out of debt. And, um, on top of that, have a totally paid off home that, that we actually live in today. Uh, again, really, really thankful for that. And along the way toward the end of that journey is when I got into podcasting. Like when I felt like, okay, we're, we're, we're back to where we were again. I love that aerospace job, but that's kind of what opened it back up. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm ready to explore again. I, I think I'm done with the corporate job thing. It's, it served us well. We got to where we wanted to be what's next. And that's what, again, led me to podcasting. And I tried a few other things. I, I did some blogging stuff. I did some, uh, website design, some coaching, some speaking, like, it was a lot. Let's put it that way. But finally, when I found podcasting, I was like, like you, Jonathan, I was like, I love this. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the Christian podcast. How'd you get started? What were some of the the focuses, the topics? You know, speak a little bit about that from what you remember. Yeah. So going back to mid-20s, when my wife and I got married, we were actually leading a small group ministry at our church. And by the way, my biggest passion is small groups. I love small groups. That's where God's just moved my my life time and time again. And anyway, so we were leading that and I kept on getting asked questions. I was the guy who was like leading the whole team. There's multiple group leaders. And I just one day was like, is there a way to like write this online? Because everyone keeps on asking for it. I'm typing up 30 texts every day, right? Like, so I built a blog and uh, didn't know much about it. That's what got me the idea of like web design later on. But like at that point, I was just posting little things of like, hey, here's what God's showing me right now. And it was nothing like, here I am. I know everything, right? No, it was like, hey, here's what I just learned today type of thing and shared that. And it just really took off. And at that point with that blog, that's what brought more authors to it because I had other people contributing, a lot of them being those other small group leaders. 
But I, I really loved speaking because I was traveling around speaking at this point about being a blogger and things like that. And this is, keep in mind, this was while I had that aerospace job. So this was all side gig. But I decided to do a podcast and just to share a little bit more. And it was a monthly episode release. They're about 15 minutes. I did a few interviews, but mostly it was just me talking. And again, just sharing a little bit about where I was, where God had brought me from, where I was going, or a topic I was really passionate about at that point. And uh, that was a really cool time in my life. And that opened me up again to podcasting, which I fell in love with at that point. Um, us podcasters like to talk more than we like to write. So that's where I saw my future going. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I have the same feeling. And when I was trying to decide, was I going to write a book or was I going to start a podcast? And I felt I can say much more and podcast format than writing a book because, right, it's easier. You got to do is press play, right? Versus right. the whole book situation is, you know, I can put all my thoughts and ideas into an episode and I can have part one, part two, part three. And then it, it, it can almost lead into almost sort of a reputation, something I leave behind that people can always have access to. They needed to, you know, hear some of my thoughts or where my heart is. So the the Good Christian Podcast, what was that about? Is that the podcast you're talking about? For the 15 yeah, that's the one. And real quick, okay. a disclaimer. It had a, um, right when you started listening, the intro said, we're not saying that we're always good Christians, but this is always a good podcast for Christians to listen to. So it's a fun play on words, right? And that, that show just did really well. Somehow early on, it got put into specifically, it was um, Pandora's like automatic lists. Like when you went to Christian podcasts, that was like the first one that came up. So it was just getting, I mean, just thousands of like tons of downloads and people listening to it and reaching out about it. So it was just like good timing to have launched it, I guess. But again, like I I learned a lot along the way, but that's what it was about. And it just drove into a couple of topics again that I was learning from God. And I just shared in the most humble way I could of like, here's what's going on. Right. And it was short form, but it was something I really, really, really enjoyed. It was something I'll always cherish. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you end up meeting your wife? And I'm pretty sure you shared that, you know, same thing in common, right? Christ, right? Like, how did that even happen? How did that come about? Yeah, I, uh, I met her at church, actually. And oh, it wasn't, wow. it's funny, it wasn't either of our, it wasn't our church. Like, we actually mm-hmm. went to the same really big church, but mm-hmm. there was like a smaller campus they had on the other side of town. And we both separately got asked to go there and help volunteer because they're like launching a young adult ministry there, right? So, we both went separately, and right when I walked in the door, she greeted me, not knowing who I was. Just she was just greeting, helping out, right? So she said hi, and it was one of those. Uh, I, I share this story occasionally. It was one of those moments where, like, I I instantly fell in love. Like I saw her, and I was like, oh my gosh! I I was like typically a pretty well spoken person, but I didn't even know what to say to her. I I was super awkward. I'm sure. Like I just didn't. I couldn't get my composure back. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of how we met, and uh. From there, we didn't actually start dating for a couple of years. We were friends for a long time before that. Um, I was even dating somebody else after that point for like a, a real short sprint because um, I didn't date anybody after that, like my late teen, early 20 breakup, right? Uh, but I tried for like two months and I was like, I am not ready for this. Anyway, two years later, we actually started dating and a year and a month later, uh, or sorry, a year and four months later, got married. Uh, but yeah. Love at first sight for me, for sure. I don't think she'd say the same thing, but you know, mm. we're, here we are. <laughs> okay. So if you had to think of three things that you enjoyed about her and that she's changed your, changed your thought processes in regards to approaching life and in regards to what it, what it is that you do, what would you think about? Yeah, first and foremost, her, her love and passion for, for Jesus. She has just a beautiful relationship with God that I've always really admired and looked up to. Uh, number two is her ability to make everything a good time. Like she just has a lot of fun in life. Like she's a happy, cheerful person. And I love that. 
And then the last thing is she's she's brilliant. So like I love learning from her as well. Those are all like really selfish reasons, right? But like at the end of the day, um, when we first really started like getting serious, she's like, wow, you love me really well. And I was like, look at that. That's great. So like I found something to give back because I just felt like, man, she has a beautiful relationship with God that encourages mine. Uh, she's, she's, again, super outgoing, super fun to be around. Like she's always a blast. And I learn a lot from her. So I was happy to contribute something back at this point. And we have like one of those marriages where we, um, we bring the best out of each other. We've now been married for uh, 10 years. Yeah, we're married for 10 years. And I'd say like we're right now in our best year we've had so far. And we've, we honestly haven't had a bad year at all. So it's just been like amazing to, to see it continue to grow and develop. But mm-hmm. I know I said a lot there. Those are, those are no, the things I love about her though. Well, you know what they say, right? Husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands. It's kind of how everything remains what it is. So when you guys got connected and, and started worshiping and acknowledging about Christ, at least in regards to the Christ element and serving and everything else, was it at a given point when you knew for sure that God was leading you to her or everything just clicked when it came to just conversating, dialogue, you know, working together? What would you say are some of the most happiest moments that you had in the beginning when you started talking to her besides yeah. the serving you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we, we just, when we were friends, we had a lot of good times together. It was always group setting and stuff like that, but okay. we always had like a blast. She was fun. Like if she was going to be around and it was going to be like, it was going to be a party. It's going to be a good time. I always enjoyed that. So we had just so many good times with that. When we, when we actually started dating, I can just remember being able to learn how to be in a Christ first relationship was really an interesting thing for me. Like we, we devoted ourselves, like from a purity standpoint was really important to us. Like we wanted to save all that for, for marriage. So like having that conversation was, was interesting, right? Like it was a fun yeah. conversation to have. There's all those little things and just deciding like even getting into after we got engaged, premarital counseling, like learning about each other and like where we stand with the conversations we just never had because up till I proposed, we never had a conversation about getting married. Uh, I actually voiced it early on. That I was like, hey, I just don't really want to talk about that. Like when it's time, we'll know type of thing if, if it goes there, right? Like, so I, I set like very little expectation, but one day I just went and bought a ring felt like God gave me that green light. And I don't, I don't think it was any like monumental occasion. It was just like, I just felt this peace in the sense of like, I I'm ready. I hope she is because we never talked about it. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't even really know how to answer the question, but that's just kind of like how it evolved, if you will. Yeah. Okay. So talk a little bit about in terms of, you know, like where you are now currently, what do you read at least scripturally that keeps you humble? as you continue to climb and be successful and what advice can you give to someone that either wants to get started doing something and wants to feel empowered or wants to be inspired? What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I would, I would first off, like always cling to the word of God, right? I think that's so important. So for me, it's actually, I still, I read Proverbs now and I recommend everyone to do this, read the proverb for whatever day of the month it is. So as we're recording this, it's the ninth. So I, this morning, I'm reading through Proverbs 9. Like, that's what I'm going to go through. And tomorrow, I'll go through Proverbs 10, 11, 12, and I'll get through all the way through 31 if there's 31 days this month. And if not, I'll, cut, I'll come back to that. I'll go back to number, to, to number one. It says a lot about humility. It says a lot about, about the fear of the Lord. And these are great things to remind me. I, I, again, I, I mean, at this point, I, don't, I can't say I have it all memorized, but I'm like, man, I really, although I've read it again, it's still just as impactful as the first time I read it. And so I always encourage everybody, like, that's, that's as a business leader, that's how I keep maintain my, my humility, 
and servanthood for Christ in everything that I do, no matter how much success comes or goes. Mm-hmm. It's how you keep Christ first. And so that's really important. In addition to that, like have the right friendships around you is really important. Like iron sharpens iron, right? So have the yeah. right people in your life that have permission to call you out when things are wrong, but also to, to remind you to go to Christ when things are right. And so for me, I, I have those relationships and I, I'm thankful to have a good amount of them actually, where there's people that they, they know it all. Like there is nothing hidden for me. Like it's all out there. And so I just, these are my accountability guys. I have 12 of them in my life. They're just like, they're, they're all in on Alex San Filippo. And I'm very thankful for that and making sure they're all like guys that I aspire to be more like, like their relationship with God is their number one. And so it's just really cool to be able to, to, to learn from them along the way and be able to be fully transparent. Like I said, I mean, there's, I leave nothing, no detail, no stone unturned. And that's really helpful. So between like clinging to the word of God and making sure that I, I keep that iron sharpens iron perspective and, and stay transparent with those guys. So helpful. My walk with God. And again, keeping me humble and in the right mind about what my business today that I have, like, what is this business and what's it for? It helps me maintain that proper composure. Amen. So it was on January 28th, 2018 in the Christian post, you reflected on a song written by Tyler Joseph called sometimes quiet is violence. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, what were you thinking in regards to what, why you wanted to reflect on that song and what that song meant to you? Yeah, it's been a while now, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, been, yeah. I, might, I might need a refresher on that one, actually. <laughs> okay, so uh, if you don't remember that, that's fine. What are some songs, gospel music, uh, songs that inspire you or motivate you or, you know, uh, that you worship to or that you admire, that you play, you know, as your, yeah. your daily days? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I have like a a whole, I have different playlists. So throughout the day, like some of it's instrumental, some's it, some's this, that, right? But like. Uh, I always start off with like my, my worship set. Right. And it's always rotating songs, but I'll tell you what, right now, what I'm re- I've really been into is, is anything that's actually singing out scriptures. So it's not like a lot, of, it's not that traditional or, or even mainstream. Like it's not like rock stuff or anything like that, but it's like, Hey, I mean, these people are actually like diving deep into just scripture. And so I can't even pull out one specific song, but I really am enjoying stuff by the upper room right now. Cause I just feel like it's like really Holy spirit driven. And I love that. Like you can like feel the song and some of the lyrics are so simple and even a bit repetitive, but it's just like, it's just quoting the scripture. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing. So what I've really gotten into is music. This is like the best way I can describe it. It's music to Jesus, not about Jesus. So instead of just like singing like about God, it's like, Hey, this is a love song written to Jesus. And that's really been I mean, that stuff, I can just feel the spirit move with that. So that's what I've been diving into is just more of that type of thing. And uh, yeah, it, it's always evolved. I'm a, I'm a music junkie. Like I don't play me, like I don't play any, I play guitar a little bit, but not, not anything special, but I love listening to music. So like for me, it's always really impactful. I've always got it playing in the background again, always start off with that worship music that is a love song to Jesus. And I love being part of that. Mm-hmm. So any goals or things that you're striving to do this new, this new year? Yeah. Um, so with the business, uh, so you mentioned Pod Pros, which for uh, listeners' sake, I'll, I'll quickly share. Pod Pros is a company that creates software solutions for podcasters and podcast guests. And we've got a handful of services, one of which is Podmatch. And that's, that's how Jonathan and I got connected. It's a service that works seemingly just like a dating app, but instead of connecting people for dates, it connects them for podcast interviews. So a guest and a host looking to find each other on the specific topic, the algorithm will kind of figure that out. So anyway, that's enough about the, the business side of things. But this is a software business. So software is a service. And this, anyone who's doing software as a service, there's like a certain success to follow, a certain trend, right? 
And more and more, I'm doing my best to be totally counterculture in this space, which has made me popular with some people, but also really unpopular with other people because I don't have the hustle mindset in it. I'm not like trying to build it to $10 million. I'm not trying to get 100,000 people using my software. I'm not trying to become some sort of influencer in the space. And this is what I've been reinforcing. And this year, we're really doubling down on this. So my, again, to answer your question, Jonathan, like this year, we're really focused on making this our mission, our mission for Jesus. And to some people, again, some software people are like, dude, go be a missionary then. Like, why are you doing software? No, I feel like this is where God has called us to be. And I'm not trying to get everyone saved who uses the platform. Like, I would love that, but I'm not like doing that. But people are going to understand what the love of Jesus feels like, even what it should feel like through a software company. Uh, again, I'm not like quoting scripture out to everybody, but the way that they feel when they interact with us, I want it to be like this was Jesus running the company. And that's a lot to aspire to be, right? But my goal is to somehow, some way mimic what I believe he would do if this were what he was obviously, thank God, he was called to do way more than that. But if this were his calling, like I want to I run it that way. And so for us, we always, internally, the team, we always remind each other and ourselves that, hey, whoever we talk to, we are going to be loving, graceful. We're going to treat them the way we believe Jesus will treat them, and we'll see what happens. And uh, Jonathan, one quick testimony here that I heard last December. I had a friend of mine. Um, he's a pastor in Jacksonville, Florida, where I live, and he happened to, he uses Podmatch, and he texts me. He's like, hey, man, I want to let you know, I just got off an interview with somebody. She has no idea who you are. She just started using Podmatch, but she told me, she said, you know what? This company I know is run by believers because of the way they treat people and the way they love and respect each of us. She goes, I can just feel the love of Jesus through it. And he got the chair. He's like, oh, I actually know the founders. And yes, you're 100% accurate. But I loved hearing that from a third party, right? And again, to answer your question way longer than you probably want me to, this year, year we're really doubling down on that. Like, How can we serve people and really be maybe the only person who loves them on on any given day, right? And so I don't have, again, ambitious goals for more money, more people. It's how can I love better and how can I serve them better with where they're at? And that's going to be this year for us. Yeah, sounds great. I'm totally on board with you. And I'll be honest with you. Once I, you know, use the platform, I've met some believers from different areas and you always learn something different. And it's amazing because you see, you know, the gifts that uh, whatever God has placed within their heart and what they're trying to create out of it. So whether it's it's to expand the kingdom or whether it is to get information out to help people and potentially lead them to the kingdom, it's always good to have information that's put out there for usage, right? And not everything has to be a tag on it. Some things are available and are for usage to help elevate you and where you want to be in life. So, so is it, where can people find you? Where can people, you know, reach out to you? You know, where, where can people, you know, get an opportunity if they're looking to want to start a podcast? You know, you have the floor. Oh, thanks. Thanks again, John. I really appreciate yeah. having me. And by the way, real quick, I actually want to shout out an episode of your podcast that I got a lot out of. It's episode 87, where you had your special guest, Barbara. Col- Culver? Is that how you say it? Uh, Culver. Culver. Um, really a great episode. If you want to hear a totally different story of like coming to Jesus and like what uh, upbringing looks like, go listen to, to Barbara. And, and Jonathan, you did a great job in that interview as well. So I, I just want to shout out that episode first and foremost. And that's number 87. I encourage anyone listening to this. If this is your first one you listen to, go back to that one and check it out. It's, it's going to be worthwhile. And, and then where you can find me, everything I do. Uh, actually, I'll give you a specific link. If you just go to podpros.com slash win, It'll show you what it takes to be a podcast guest, podcast host, or if you are one, it'll give you 
some tips to do so better on either side of the mic. And again, that's just podbros.com slash win. It'll take you less than five minutes to go through. And there's also ways to connect with me on there and all that. But that's where I'd send people. And like I said at the beginning, all I really do and know is podcasting. So if I can add value in that way, I'm totally here to serve. But Jonathan, thank you again for what you do here. Love the show and honored to have been here today. Thank you so much. So if you don't mind, would you mind closing out with prayer? But before you do that, where can people listen to the, the Smart Christian podcast that you have? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Good Christian podcast. So I actually sold that blog. Um, so oh, somebody man. else took that over. But anywhere where there's a Good Christian podcast, look it up wherever you look at podcasts. My new one, that link I gave you, podpros.com slash win, that'll have my new podcast on it. So you can find my show, Podcasting Made Simple, is what I'm doing now. So that'll kind of share I'm at. And by the way, I didn't make any profit off of that. I don't, I've never shared that before. But when I sold Good Christian Co., as the company was called, uh, my goal was to make $0 and to be able to donate everything. So I don't say to be prideful. I just don't want to even think I did anything for profit there. That was strictly a way I was serving God. But the opportunity came that someone who would take it way further than I ever did stepped in. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to make any money, but take, a, take my costs away and it's yours. So um, that's, that's kind of how we made it happen. But, uh, but yeah, good Christian podcast. You can find that wherever you listen to the podcast. Okay. All right. So would you like to close out in prayer with us? Absolutely. God, I thank you for this opportunity of being here today with with Jonathan and with everybody uh, at The Truth of the Matter Is. Thank you for this show. Thank you for the impact it's having on lives, God. And I just pray right now for exponential increase, God. If if I shared anything today that serves somebody, God, let it be applied. Let it really sink into the hearts. And it won't be one of those things that people are like, man, I heard this guy say something really cool the other day. No, it'd be, I heard something that was said that changed my actual perspective and actions, God. And I just pray right now that you you be the change that we all need in that way, God. So let's sink into to our hearts, God. And I just pray over Jonathan, the host here. God, I pray that you bless him. Bring him an increased audience, bring him an increased passion, bring him an increased ability to do even better than he's already doing, which is doing an incredible job, God. But I just pray that you make this more and more fruitful. So I bless him, bless the listeners today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.